It's almost Halloween, and for some insane reason, I've agreed to broadcast this entire episode of Movies or Magic from inside a haunted house. I'll admit, I'm a little nervous. This place gives me the creeps. Did you hear that? The eyes in the painting seem to be following me round. I keep walking through patches of spookily cold air. That's my foot. Who said that? I hear I'm not going to last the whole show in here. I've got to get out. Now, which door is the exit? I'm the ghost of all the films that you missed the first five minutes of and you never fully understood what was going on, but you're too afraid to ask. Nope. Join us. Nope. Ah, this is the one. God, it's fierce dark in there. Oh man, that was close, but I'm out and I'm fine and I'm definitely not possessed by the ghost of an old lady. Cabbage is good for you and grows all year round, children. Get out of me! Anyway, as I was about to say, Halloween is the ideal time to want to be scared. But isn't it crazy to want to be frightened? Why do you think we like scares so much? My name is Abby and I'm nine years old. I'm a big fan of Halloween and my birthday is also two days before it. I think the reason why people like watching scary films is because they like the drama, the thrill and the scariness. I think it's nice to be frightened because it's scary at first but after you just laugh. (laughs) I like to be scared because it's funny. I think people like to be frightened because they just want to have a little bit of scare. For years, films have played on all the little things that go bump in the night. Oftentimes, the things that scare us begin in little moments that happen to us in real life. The thing I'm probably most scared of in real life is clowns because I don't, their makeup is quite freaky and I wouldn't like the idea of one being at my birthday party. We were planting a few things uh, a frog jumped out and jumped on my foot. I got very bad fright. I always got the hiccups. <laughs> In real life, I'm most scared of vampires. It was Halloween and I was walking up to a house and a bush jumped out at me. A human dressed up like a bush. Terrifying. And now I'm still scared of bushes. There are movies tailor-made for Halloween, but there's also a lot of films that ambush you with an unexpected fright. In Goosebumps 2, a really scary part was when a girl, her brother and her brother's friend were driving in a car and then a talking ventriloquist's dummy jumped on the window screen of their car. And Dorothy getting stuck with a witch. Bad witch with green skin. This was scary! <laughs> but now I'm not scared of it. The fire and the greatest showman because I hate fire. There was a ginormous monster in Frozen 1, and I was so afraid. I jumped under a cushion! I actually haven't really been frightened in a film once, but if I was, I'd probably, I'd probably, like, I'd, I'd turn it off. For me, the list feels kind of endless. A certain baddie and jitty jitty bang bang. Children, Or the monkeys in The Wizard of Oz. worse 
the wheelies and return to Oz. Oh, I got the shivers. Which, although it's bang on trend, I don't love. Jack, quickly. What's a film that has an amazing Halloween scene in it, but isn't too scary, and you'd recommend to kids? Jack, quick. This week we're talking about Steven Spielberg's film E.T. from 1982. E.T. is about a boy called Elliot who meets an alien who has been left behind by his spaceship and he happens to be in his garden and they just become best friends. He's lost. He's alone. And he's three million light years from home. You've probably heard of Steven Spielberg. He's directed some of the greatest films of all time. This might be his best one. She's directed films like Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Hook, and then other films for grown-ups like Saving Private Ryan, Jaws, which is quite a scary shark movie, but actually children are allowed to watch it because it's PG. (laughs) E.T. is a film about a family. The father is gone, so it's just the mother and three children. There's uh, two sons and a daughter. And the children discover an alien in their back garden and they need to keep him safe from the authorities who want to come and take him away and experiment on him. And they just forge this really beautiful friendship. I taught him how to talk now. He can talk now. And I suppose the other thing that's nice about E.T. is Elliot and E.T. are best friends. But as a result of their friendship, they kind of tightens the bond between the brothers and sisters and the wider community of children. And it's basically children against the authorities. It's really fun in that way. He's a man from outer space and we're taking him to a spaceship. Well, can it just beam up? This is reality, Greg. It's quite an emotional film in a lot of ways um, because some things happen to E.T. that are very sad and Elliot has to deal with these things and they don't lean too heavily into this but they forge a sort of a psychic connection as well. E.T. is sort of magic but they do have this sort of psychic bond so if E.T. feels something whether it's pain or sadness Elliot can feel it as well. You'll probably be upset at certain times but you'll also feel absolute joy and pleasure in so many ways as well because this film offers that. It does ramp up the emotions. So I've never seen this film without crying, like ever in my life. I've seen it about 20 times. The music in this film is as much a character as any of the people. The music is done by John Williams, who did all the music for Star Wars and Jurassic Park. And he's one of the greatest composers of modern times. Now, this is a beautiful looking film. If you haven't seen a lot of Spielberg films, you won't know what I'm talking about when I say it's got a real Spielberg look to it. (laughs) But definitely the music is something that, you know, you will be humming this music for days afterwards. But it's not just that it's catchy. It's that it comes in at exactly the right moment. It's exactly the right level of magic and level of beauty and it just heightens absolutely every moment in the film but that doesn't help at all with the crying because it's very emotional music I think one of the things that really helps us to connect with films by Steven Spielberg is that they're set in the suburbs they're set amongst like families who often have like a parent absent or you know they're, they're, they're normal families you know they they have the same struggles as everybody else they're not terribly rich They're but they've got like nice neighbours they've boring everyday lives and he always makes an effort to set that up to make sure that the audience feels like this is a really normal house and that helps us who are also from very normal families <laughs> to relate to them so these aren't big stories that you know they they become big over the course of the film so it's like weird things happening to very normal people where are you going I 
would say this film is probably for slightly older children because there's so much in it that will upset us for a time. It it, it asks a lot of us emotionally. So I'd say if you're very small, it, it's a bit sad. It's a bit upsetting maybe. I would say probably eight, eight years old and up. I definitely think there's more in it for somebody a bit older. Oh. You're right. That's E.T.'s home. If I was to sum this up in three words, I would say magical, emotional and beautiful. You can watch E.T. on Now TV and on Apple. Thanks, Sha. Check this movie out. Some of the things that make movies really scary are the incredibly realistic special effects. Gruesome masks that transform an actor from a mild-mannered human to a slathering werewolf. Well, in today's dive into the credits, we'll meet a person responsible for helping fuel my bad dreams with their creations. My name is Mark Maher and uh, I'm the owner of Odyssey Studios and co-owner of Arachnid Effects. And we're a prop-making studio and we have bases in Limerick and in Dublin. So we, we basically supply the film industry with props, fake guns, large-scale sculptures, 3D scanning and, you know, that kind of stuff. And we've been working in the industry for about 20 years. Prompt Maker will work with the production designers or the set designers and we'll basically look at concepts and, and kind of get the tone of the film first and we'll start giving in props and getting them signed off, getting directors and stuff to look at a prop. So once we do that and we get, have a good tone of what we're about to make, we'll make all the guns and knives to match all the actors and characters and take life casting and 3D scans of the actors to make prosthetics. Back in the days when they were doing old school makeup and they were putting latex on and ripping it off and giving kind of fake skin effect, which was great and, you know, we needed all that. But right now we have this silicon which is kind of nearly translucent and skin tone silicon. So we would start off with either doing a life cast of an actor, let's say, and after that you would get a plaster version of it and you would correct that, which means you would sculpt it or you could go into wax and you would go back in and refine the details and then you will mould that and you will inject the silicon and you'll get a rubber version of it. Now what we're doing lately as well is we're 3D scanning the actors so they don't actually have to get covered in our silicon and we'll 3D scan that and we'll print them and then we mould that and we get that into silicon because there's a couple of options and we're kind of trying to move with the times in Ireland so we can stand kind of shoulder to shoulder with the lads in Europe and the UK as well, you know. believe there is a demi-monde, a half-world between what we know and what we fear. I really liked working with Penny Dreadful. We did all the prop making for that and I worked with the set designer Philip Murphy on that. It's kind of a Victorian horror genre which is which is quite exciting to work in. So you have steampunk mixed in with some kind of horror elements as well which is, is always fun to work with. And You have to be kind of precise but you have that little creative freedom as well. I wasn't really into painting, you know, painting paintings. I tried that for a while and I just was terrible at it. But I knew I had some kind of artistic touch to doing something. So I went up to Dunleary College and there's a model making course up there and I seen what the guys were doing. When I seen that, I knew that's what I wanted to do. After that, I kind of made my way to New Zealand. But I knew at a very young age that I like to do something creative. And it's to be supportive of that creative and kind of not knock it, you know, because there is jobs in the industry, there is... It's not like you're going to be an unemployed artist. There is, there is other avenues as well. All the core elements when you learn when you're younger with painting and colours, they should pop in later down the years when you're kind of getting into the prosthetics or you're getting into the model making. My main thing was a miniature artist, so I worked on the, the Hobbit movies. I was going towards the weather workshop and I got an opportunity to work with Dan Hedda, which is a very prestigious art director, and one position came open as a model maker for Inside and History, so I, I kind of jumped at that opportunity. 
and at that moment then I, I did my interview and showed him all my work and then he just hired me on the spot as a concept model maker for let's say for the miniatures so you know it could be Goblin World Lake Town or any kind of fantasy element that's got to do with the Hobbit and we'll be making miniatures for that in the Hobbit we have Lake Town you've uh, Gollum's Cave you've City of Dale the Dwarven Battle Area but it, it would have been every single set that needed to be made we made it in miniature first and they would have taken that and done a 3D scan of this and then used those models as a kind of a go-to for building the sets but also as a 3D scanned image as well. The Hobbit was quite interesting actually because we've, we actually worked in two or three different scales. We worked in, it was called Gandalf scale, so it was kind of large scale, normal human walker and then we made another miniature which is Hobbit scale which is everything is a lot smaller and then Dwarven scale because those three different scales dictated when the actors were walking around that, you know, that they blended into the set seamlessly so we had to make nearly every one two or three times and then because of the fantasy element there is wreckages of those cities by Smaug the dragon so we would make a complete version of that city and then we would knock it down then with Smaug coming in and burning it to pieces could be a mould maker which takes a kind of like a high level of skill there's some fantastic mould makers in Ireland but then you could also be a sculptor you could be you can see some of the stuff that we have here there's hair punching so some of the silicon sculptures there that we'd have it's a rubber silicon and you would punch each individual hair one by one and they have to go in the direction of the head as well so everybody's hair goes in a certain different direction it could take you know five days to do a head it could t- or you could do a quick job on it in two days or a day but it's a very tedious job but it's a very skillful job as well between that and mold making and stuff like that and 3D scanning we're working a lot with digital stuff as now because we work with visual effects departments and we have to make sure that our models match what they're creating as well in larger scale so there's a whole pile of elements to work with in model making yeah it's a lot of fun you do something different absolutely nearly every day there's no day that's the same now you could be on the same project for the day but you, you get into like let's say if I was working on a fantasy film we'd get into maybe doing one area for maybe two or three months but you're really getting into it and everything is changing quite rapidly and then you're just trying to a totally different zone if it's fantasy and then you could be jumping onto a new project which could be a horror movie or a science fiction it was very inspirational to me now would be uh, some of the old school makers like Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen would have made all the old kind of stop motion features back in the day and like I was watching him like Sinbad as a child and it was just amazing to see that he actually done them all by himself, sculpted them and moved them individually. It must have been the wind. Like Rick Baker, I have actually endless amount of people. There. Like there's, there's a guy called Gino Acevedo who I was looking at for years over in New Zealand, and then I got chatting to him, and he kind of helped me get into industry. John Howe and Alan Lee, who are the illustrators over there, and every year is nearly different because like I get inspired by artists quite a lot, and other artists and filmmakers. I get really inspired by filmmakers that they shoot the stuff really well, and they actually pay attention that it's not just something in the background that they can be smart enough to bring it forward, you know, and get use out of it. If you've been following the program, you know that every single week, Sean is helping you build a movie. Last week, we talked about scripting. You might have written a spooky work of wonder by now, but what's next, Sean? Now, I personally really enjoy the planning part of making a film. Whether or not it is casting actors or picking dates to shoot your film, I just find it to be a lovely break from the intense writing process. The first step I usually take is casting actors. 
I'm here to read for the part of Margaret. At first, you will probably have to cast your friends, and while at first that can feel limiting, it is actually a really great way to get started. My first short film only starred two actors, and that was my friend and me. And believe it or not, you actually have a lot of fun shooting in this situation. Okay, so you hold the camera on me, then I'm gonna shoot you, yeah? Now, if you can't find any friends who want to take part in your film, then don't worry. Try adjusting your script so that it only stars you. Or maybe you can even act as different characters, which, trust me, is a lot of fun. Hey, Nikki, can you pass me that spoon? You mean my spoon? It's mine! It is Give not! It here. Pass it over here! Give us that spoon! Will the pair of you just grow up? Sorry, Sorry. Nikki. Either way, don't worry if you have a limited cast. This was the case for all of us at one point. Your crew are all of the people behind the camera who help you make the film. Now on a small film, it might just be you. But as you become more ambitious with your filmmaking, then the size of your crew can grow too. If you know someone who's good at the camera, get them involved. If you know someone who's interested in dressing up, then bingo, you've got a costume department. I am a convincing pirate. Look at my cutlass. Once you have your cast and crew organised, start to think of where you can shoot your film. Would you be able to shoot it in your house? If not, then start thinking about other places where you could potentially shoot this film of yours. When thinking about locations, also think about when you should film. What time suits your cast and crew? Should you plan to do this over a holiday or will over a weekend be enough? What times of day best fit with the script? You can also think about the order in which you will shoot your film. What scenes will you film first? And what scenes will you film last? If you have happy and sad scenes in your film, it might be best to film your happy scenes on one day and then your sad scenes on another, because then your actors won't have to change up their mood too much. Wait a minute. I'm dying now? Like now? I thought I'd start as a baby. Now remember, you don't have to shoot your film in order from beginning to end. Sometimes the first scene in your short film will be shot last, and vice versa. It all depends on what works best. So why not try it? You've got a film you want to make. Look at your script. Write a list of all the shots you think you might need to tell your story, and then order them based on locations and who you need in the picture. When you're done, if you want any feedback, you can send them in. And again, if you've planned anything film-related over Halloween, let us know. Junior at rte.ie yeah, I'm pleased I escaped the haunted house, but there's still a niggling feeling that I'm being watched. We're not watching you, it's just that you're stood in front of the telly. Oh, sorry. In the first episode, we heard about the Cinemagic film jury, so I thought we should catch up with some kids that joined to see how they're getting on, and what else you can get up to with Cinemagic. Hi, I'm Charlotte Cleary. I'm 17, and I've been participating in Cinemagic events for, I think, a good seven or eight years now. It was like a casting call that was going on for a film Cinemagic was producing called The Christmas Star, and I went to a casting call when I was like really young, and since then I've been just like we've been involved in like Cinemagic newsletter and we got aware of like all the amazing workshops Cinemagic has been hosting and uh, I started doing the film jury I've been doing that for like a while now so I started I think when maybe they started doing it or I watched some fiction films and right now I'm watching um, like a mixture of documentary and, and fiction films on the Cinemagic Film Festival this week. Hi my name's Anne and I'm I think I've watched about 10 films as part of the jury. There's this film review that I did and there was this thing called Mush Mush and the Mushables and it was very educational because there was like seeds in it and I learned one fact that I did not know. It was like about bees communicate by dancing and I had no clue. One that really stands out to me, I think the film that I watched in the first week of films was called Kusapan. It was a film from Quebec 
and it was about the friendship of two girls in an Innu community in Quebec, their like relationship um, and how that like changes with like the outside world. It was really good though. I loved the relationship between the characters and like the issues they discussed and it was just a beautifully made film altogether like and I think that's really cool like about Cinemagic that they give like just Irish kids like access to these like brilliant caliber of like films like from loads of different like countries. One from Mongolia recently called The Steed and I got to interview the producers which was fabulous about the film. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, it has to be like good, like the sound effects are good, it's easy to follow, the characters are understandable, etc. Like it has to be a good movie if people want to watch it. The film I think is the best is Jacob, Mimi and the Talking Dog. Someone needs to get inside the building site, get into the trailer unnoticed and exchange the plans. It was this like park and it was getting shut down and it was like a big skyscraper. And then all the like people like made teamwork to like so they could have the park back. I like how there's like a balance between documentary and also fiction films. So like you get to have like a balance of what they're discussing. Cinemagic has like helped foster my creative direction in film because I've just been so inspired. There's like workshops. Um, I've done workshops with Millennium FX, uh, Kate Walsh, who does the special effects for Doctor Who. So I got to do like uh, workshops when I was younger, playing with all the special effects and like the props. And I think it's like kind of shaping me, showing me I have lots of different options and that like I don't have to be just one thing. I'm really thankful to Cinemagic for that. Like it, it was just great. Definitely uh, email Cinemagic to see what's going on and definitely take part in the film jury. I think you'll really enjoy it because I really do. Given that it's Halloween and all of you are stuck at home. Quiet you. Okay. Maybe you'd like to spend some time making in between the watching of movies. Hey everybody, I'm Claire Shaw from Cinemagic and I'm back just to update everyone ahead of Halloween and what all is coming up at Cinemagic over the next week. Cinemagic, in addition to the films that we're screening, offer lots of workshops and talks and tutorials. And with things being all digital and embracing the whole online world at the minute, Cinemagic have put together a number of trick-or-treat arts and crafts activities so it's a chance for young people and families to enjoy some trick-or-treat activities now that everyone is spending a little bit more time at home. First of all, we have a fantastic music and Halloween storytelling session with the Irish musician Tom Sweeney. We also have a fantastic monster mask tutorial and a creepy witch's fingers tutorial and how you can make those. And we also have a theatre show Mr. Hullabaloo's Halloween show. So we have recorded tutorials that you can watch and you can be part of in your own time and you can watch them and take part in them in your, you know, at your convenience. To take part in the Halloween trick-or-treat activities, you just email workshops at cinemagic.org.uk and there's five altogether that you can choose from. You can do one or two of them or you can pick all five. Um, and it's really just a chance to, to get involved in doing something creative as well as watching the movies if you've got time for that. Just so you know, that Halloween pack is not free, so maybe check with a parent before deciding you want to get your hands into creepy crafts. I don't know about you, but I'm seriously spooked today. Heartless talk of fear has me nerves and tatters. I think what I need is a nice, relaxing detour. I'm sure asking a kid to come up with a movie pitch that competes with the other films we've discussed will totally fit the bill. 
My name is Isma and I am eight. If I were to make a scary film, I would make it about skeleton, ghost, animals, like dog, cats, bunnies, or stuff like that. And then, like, there'd be someone walking into the pet hotel that was there for thousands of years. All the animals love it there because it's their home. And then, um, if a person were to try and sell it by, like, saying, "Oh, this looks like a nice place to we could sell and and make a fortune out of," the dogs and all the other animals would just fly into the people, and then they would move them over to the skeletons that had a plan to make them scared off. But um, the fifteenth hundred time it didn't work because they've been there 1500 times the same person and they knew what to do by setting ghost proof trap so they took a ghost suction thing and they brought their dogs to chew in all the bones <laughs> but the people forgot that skeletons can wake up into teeny bits and then combine back together and ghosts can fly out of anything Ghosts flew out and the skeletons came back together and scared off all the dogs and people. The people never wanted to come back ever again. The film would be called Humans vs. the Dead. <laughs> all the walls. <laughs> Isabel, I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. That laugh. <laughs> Each week I end with some recommendations, and I do have two that will gently chill you, like strawberries in the supermarket. The first is from Leica, the studio that made last year's Missing Link. Caroline is the story of a girl who moves to a new house, gets fed up with her parents, and finds a door to another, back-to-front version of her house, along with ghoulish copies of her folks, who have buttons for eyes. Home? We've been waiting for you, Coraline. For me? Yep. Wasn't the same here without you, kiddo. This one is not for the faint of heart, so I think you should be around ten or more to watch it. My second is a little bit older. You've all seen the animation last year, but if you haven't already, use this Halloween to catch up with the original movie of The Addams Family. Showtime! Unhappy, darling. Adams is a hero for all kids, although I would suggest you be a little kinder to your siblings than she is to Pugsley. What are you, darling? Where's your costume? This is my costume. I'm a homicidal maniac. They look just like everyone else. But you know what? It's far better I just let my guests suggest some Halloween movies. There's this film that's a Halloween one. It's called Monster Family. I like that the best out of them all because they're all humans and then all of a sudden one day they're just monsters. So Frankenstein, the mom's a vampire, the daughter was the mummy and then the son was the werewolf. Monster costume party. <gasps> My family will love it. <sighs> it's been out for a while. It's on Netflix. For Halloween this year I'm dressing up as a zombie cheerleader. <laughs> I am Rune and I am 11. My favourite film is Goosebumps 2 because there's loads of parts in the movie that you don't expect to happen. I could have killed you! I'm going to dress up as a zombie skateboarder. A film kids can watch is called Monster House because it's about if you kick anything, 
on this house's lawn, it will like suck it in, and you're not allowed to go on it because this guy will like, come out and try to get you. And if he finds like and you go on it, the house will like suck it in. Without a doubt, Hocus Pocus, it was one of my favourites growing up and it is just brilliant from, you know, everything to the costumes and the music in it, but there's just something about Hocus Pocus that really just excites you every time and you could watch it time and time again, even if it isn't Halloween, I think. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hit me with that cheer you up? Okay. This is the end. No. I feel it. Okay. We are doomed. If I were to recommend some movies to other children, they would be The Addams Family and Goosebumps. The film I have watched more than any other film is Hotel Transylvania. One, two, three. Do not disturb. 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 My name is Khan and I'm six. My favourite film is Goosebumps 1. There's a book that there's monsters in it and it, the monsters come to life. The scariest monster is the snow monster. I'm Daniel and I'm 10 years old. My favourite Halloween movie is Goosebumps 2 and my favourite part is when the Ferris wheel gets lit on fire. Nothing scares me. And I'm done. Ah, time to get my slippers on. Who could that be? It's over a week early for any trick-or-treaters. Jenny Oliver got in the house as apples. Hello? Can I come inside? Uh, no. Please, I promise not to suck any blood. Get away from me! All right.